The Supernova, episode two, How I Found God. Peace family, it's your girl Bakia, and today I want to talk to you guys about how I found God. Um, and I'm going to start with how I guess I experienced God as a child, which it wasn't really a personal relationship. It was more of, um, honestly, it was more of something to do. When I was young, my siblings and I, like our mother sent us to Sunday school and all of the neighborhood kids, it was kind of just a thing that we did. So it wasn't necessarily that I was going there um, for God or the word of God or Jesus or anything. It was just kind of something to do, you know, on Sundays with my friends. And um, yeah, I didn't really have a personal connection there. It was just something that I did for fun. And, you know, we would sing the songs like Jesus loves the little children and all those things. But it was more of a hobby and not a relationship, I would say. Um, so from that time, going through my teens, it came to a point where I didn't believe that there was a God. Um, if you read my book, The Teen Sex Trade, My Story, you'll know that I was sexually exploited um, as a teenager. But even before then, like I was experiencing so many difficult things where um, I was witnessing domestic violence at home. Me and two of my siblings got taken from my mother and we were put into foster care. And it just seemed like it was this back-to-back hardship. And I was thinking to myself, like, how could there be a God if all of these things are happening to me? Like, where is God? How come God isn't taking me out of this situation? How come God isn't fixing my parents, you know? How come God isn't giving me a foster home that I can actually stay at rather than bounce around from home to home and group home and this, that, and the third? Um... And then when it came to when I was, you know, 15 is when I met my pimp at the time. Well, he started out as my boyfriend, but eventually uh, escalated into being exploitative, it being an exploitative relationship. So probably from 15 to 17, when I started um, working in the sex industry is when I was really, really disconnected from God. Truthfully, like my interpretation of God was my pimp because he was like the all, he was everything to me that like God wasn't even a factor. But still I had a certain type of resentment and anger towards whatever I thought God was um, because my life was so hard and I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how it was so hard and he was allowing it to happen. If it was even a he, I really didn't know at that time. All I know is that I was very angry um, and I, I kind of felt victimized like God was doing this to me. And I felt like I had every right to be angry. And I remember arguing with people like they would say, like, how how can you say you don't believe in God? Like, what do you even mean by that? And I'm like, what has God ever done for me? And that's what I believed at the time. And I truly, truly believed that. Um, and then it came to a point, I believe it was in 2011. I could be wrong about the date. I believe it was in 2011. Um, a young man got murdered here in Halifax, um, in the Halifax area. And I went to his funeral and typically this would not happen, but I felt like the pastor was speaking to me directly. Um, 
and I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> me and my sister smoked the blunt before the funeral. That was like us paying homage um, to our friend who was a smoker. So we smoked the blunt, went to the funeral. And I remember sitting there and the pastor was talking about, you know, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Um, and I remember nudging my sister like, are you going to do it? Are you going to say the Lord's Prayer or whatever? And she's like, I don't know. Are you going to do it? I was like, I think I'm going to do it. Um, so she's saying the prayer and, you know, she's doing her part and then asking people that want to receive Jesus to repeat it back to her. So I'm sitting there, I'm with my sister and I did the prayer and I don't really know how to explain it except for that I felt lighter after I did that. Like it felt like some of the heaviness that I was feeling about my life's hardships was lifted. Um, and I remember coming out of the funeral, it was very sunny and like the sun was shining through the clouds. And I was like, this is, I could have just been high, but I'd like to think that it wasn't just because I was high on weed. But um, so yeah, we left there and that was when I started going to church like intentionally for myself. I think I was about 19 at the time. Um, and I started going to this little church on Godigan Street. I think it's called New Beginnings, um, but I'll double check and I'll try to post the link for you guys. But I started going there by myself um, and it was Pastor Shirley Avery. I still remember her name because just the vibe that she had was so beautiful. And it was like she was so passionate about what she was talking about. It really made me um, believe in what she was saying. But again, life is not without hardship. And even though I was attending church, not every Sunday, but I went when I felt called to go, when I felt like I needed to be lifted. Um, and I probably did that like a few times over the course of the year. And then 2012, <laughs> 2012, I feel like was a hard year for a lot of people, but pretty much my whole life kind of went to shit. Um, I had to drop out of college because my mental health was really suffering. Um, I ended up moving to Toronto with some fucking guy. Um, just feeling very lost. But at the same time of feeling lost, I was very much reading my Bible. I was praying. I was writing down my prayers. You know, I was um, highlighting stuff in my Bible, whatever. And that was the one thing that kind of kept me connected. Even though I was experiencing really fucked up things, I was like, no. God, God is listening. You know, God hears my prayers and he's going to answer my prayers. And I remember just praying and praying, like, please just let me get this right. Like, I really want this relationship. I want to get better. Um, you know, I want to build. I want to have my own place. I want to be stable. I just kept praying. Unfortunately, I don't want to say my prayers went unanswered, but I didn't get the things that I was asking for. And instead of progressing... I ended up taking a few steps back because my relationship failed. I ended up being homeless. <laughs> this is all in the span of like three months. So my relationship failed. I ended up being homeless a month later. So I was in Toronto at this time. And then um, I came back to Nova Scotia because I had I was in Toronto stranded. I had nowhere to go. I came back to Nova Scotia. And at that time, my dear, dear friend... <laughs> God rest his soul. My dear friend um, died by suicide. And I don't say committed suicide because I actually took mental health first aid um, and we talked about suicide. And they said that you shouldn't use that term committed. 
Um, so I tried to remember the terminology and say that he died by suicide. Um, unfortunately, he was having a lot of mental health issues. And at that point, I was trying very hard to hold on to my idea of God. And I remember praying for him and asking, um, you know, that God receive him. Because in the Bible, it says that suicide is a sin and you can't go to heaven if you, if you die by suicide. So I remember praying for him heavily. And our mutual friend, I remember like trying to get them to accept Jesus. And I was probably sounding so crazy at that time, but I was really trying hard to connect to something bigger than myself. Um, so yeah, I guess throughout that, I was trying to hold on to my faith. And then things started to get a bit better after that. Um, and I can't, I don't really know when it changed, but... Over that period of time, I started uh, researching more things about God and spirituality. And then I started to get very confused because it seemed like the more I thought I learned, the more it seemed like I was coming to, like I was hitting a brick wall. It's like I ask a question and I might get an answer, but then that answer leads to another question. And I, like, it honestly just made my brain feel like it was ready to explode. And I'm like, I don't know what to believe in. Um, so I started when I was going to church as a young child, it was a Christian church, I believe. And then, um, I've studied Islam and that religion is very beautiful to me. I connected with that religion the most, but I found it to be very strict. And I felt like with those rules, I wasn't able to fully be myself. Um, and I was partying a lot at that time. So I was drinking a lot with my girlfriends, partying a lot, meeting lots of guys. I was very sexually active at that time. Um, so I felt like I wasn't worthy of claiming that religion because I'd already done so many things that were against what you're supposed to do as a Muslim. Um, and when I reached that part, I kind of just purposely stop myself from believing in anything. And I'm like, you know what? This whole God thing, it's too confusing. It's too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. And I basically threw in the towel. And in order to distract myself, I became very self-destructive. And I was drinking a lot and I was partying a lot and really not taking care of my mind or my body or my spirit, especially. Um, so then I remember one time uh, I was starting to get a little bit back on track. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to go back to school, whatever. And um, I, me and my, <laughs> me and my god sister, shout out to my girl because she already knows what it was like back in those days. Um, I think it was around 2013. And we went out one night and it was kind of like our last hoorah. We're like, we're going to go hard tonight and then we're going to get our life together. And for whatever reason, when I woke up that next day, I felt so low. Like I remember my spirit feeling so, I just felt like an empty shell of a person. Um, and I remember my sister, my god sister was sleeping and I was just sitting there and I felt so alone. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to, I want to die. I don't want to be on this earth. I don't want to feel how I feel right now. I feel like I'm out here by myself and nobody, I was really convinced that nobody in the world cared about me. Not even my god sister who's laying right beside me. Um, yeah, I felt very alone. So I was praying to God and I was like, oh, just take me. Like, let me be free of this world. Whatever is to happen after this. I didn't necessarily 
have a plan to die by suicide, but I definitely was thinking about it. Like, I just wanted to go. Like, I just didn't want to be there. Um, I didn't want to be here, I should say. I didn't want to be here in this life. So I prayed about it and I asked God to take me. And then that day, my next friend, who actually my God sister introduced the two of us, she wanted to hang out with me and I was so depressed and I was feeling so down. I'm like, you know what? I'm not really feeling it. Um, I don't want to drive all the way to your house, whatever. I don't want to take the bus. And everything that I said to her, she had a rebuttal for. I remember that distinctly. She was like, no, like, I'll come get you. You could stay over. I'll cook for us. You know, we'll smoke, whatever. Just chill and vibe and have a good time, whatever. So finally, I was um, convinced (laughs) and I agreed to go to her house. Um, But she wanted to grab weed from her friend. So we went to this guy's house. And she wanted the two guys to come with us, you know, just to hold a vibe for the night or whatever. And one of them was like, okay, cool. Like he was more, you know, go with the flow type of person. But the other guy um, who I'd never met this guy before, but he said to us, he's like, honestly, I feel like something's going to happen. I don't want to come. And I thought that was weird at the time because I'm like, it's not that serious. Like, just come. We're going to vibe, whatever. Um, but he was adamant about not coming. He's like, no, I have a really bad feeling. So we're like, okay, fine. Um, so we hit the road and that day there was a snowstorm. And sometimes I have to wrap my head around that because I didn't know this until after the fact, but I guess when a snowstorm first hits, the road is most slippery when the snow first starts to fall. Um, so we're on the 407 express highway going from Richmond Hill, um, to Brampton where she lived and we're driving, we have the music blasting. So we're driving, I think it's four lanes. We're driving in one lane and then this, uh, Ford pickup truck comes and it starts to look like it's like coming into our lane. And I didn't think anything of it, but I, you know, I was vibing like me and my girls jamming, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, girl, watch out for that truck. He's getting kind of close to us. No sooner than I said it, and we're in a little Mazda, okay? No sooner than I said it, the truck hit her Mazda and her car started spinning in a fucking circle. I have to tell you, I have never been so scared in my life. Imagine you're in a car and it's snowing and a big, heavy work truck hits your car and it made a very, it wasn't even a loud sound. It was kind of like a tink, but like a loud one. And I was like, what the fuck? The man that was driving the pickup truck, he kept driving. He didn't stop, but our car was spinning out. And I was just like, oh my fuck. Like, I just remember how, I just remember pure fear. Like I was so scared. And then it got to a point where the car finally stopped spinning. But now instead of driving this way, we're sideways on the highway. And I remember looking out the window and all I could see was lights of cars um, coming towards us. And I was just trying to brace myself for the impact. Um, If you ever seen the movie Seven Pounds with Will Smith, there's a scene when his family gets into a car accident. um, And I believe his wife and his child uh, die in the car accident. But it shows them literally getting flown around inside the car as their car is flipping on the highway. So I was just bracing myself because I knew I'm like, at this point, I had no other choice but to like surrender to that moment because I'm like, the cars are coming. We're going to get hit. So I'm sitting there 
And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, fuck, like this is going to hurt. I just remember thinking like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this, but I know it's going to fucking hurt. So I'm sitting there and then next thing I know, I think I blacked out for a moment because I don't remember this point, but I think I opened my eyes and then our car was straight again on the highway. And I remember looking at my girl, mind you, her, her homeboy's in the back. So I remember looking at my girl like, yo, get to the side of the highway. So she, you know, she gets us over um, and we're finally safe. Mind you, in this time that uh, we realized that we were straight again on the highway, there was cars coming. Bef what last memory I have, there was cars coming. But when we were straight and we started to go over, there was no cars. It was the trippiest thing that I've ever experienced. So we got to the side of the road. You know, we check on each other. We check on our homeboy in the back. We make sure everyone's okay. Me and my girl just started bawling our eyes out. It was the scariest thing because to this day, and that was like seven years ago, to this day, I can't tell you how we got out of this situation because I was 100% convinced that my life was over in that moment. And even if I did survive, I had a brief thought like, if I do survive, I'm probably going to be very, very hurt. I don't know if I was going to be paralyzed or whatever, but I knew that I was going to be very hurt. Um, and I remember watching in movies and like someone would be in a very dangerous situation and they would say like, oh, my life flashed before my eyes or whatever. It wasn't like that. It was just like a surrender is the best way that I can say it. I was just like, okay, I am going to die in this moment. Um, and then some other stuff happened after the accident. The driver, the other driver ended up coming back down the highway. It was this big, it was this big fucking thing. But that's besides the point. Um, and I will talk about that in my second book, The Teen Sex Trade Part 2. But um, for time's sake, I will say like, once we got home and we were okay, that's when I kind of started to grasp that like, God has to be real because nothing on this earth could save us from that situation. There's no way. I saw the cars come and I saw the headlights and they were close to us. And whatever happened in that moment between consciousness and realizing that I'm sideways on the highway to realizing, okay, wait, I'm safe. I can only attribute that to God. Um, so fast forward to now to 2020. Again, there's since then from 2013 to now, there has been up and downs with um, my relationship with God, whether I'm pursuing God through religion or spirituality or what, but it was never, it has never been a solid relationship. So fast forward to now 2020, um, when COVID happened, <laughs> listen, COVID, I thought I was going to go crazy. I am not stay at home mom material. I'm going to be honest about that. When I realized that I had to stay home with the twins um, and they weren't going to be able to go to daycare, the first week I thought I was having a mental breakdown. I'm not going to lie. But I also came off my antidepressant medication at some point during COVID and that was really difficult, but I was kind of like detoxing myself. But it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because those few months of being still and literally only having myself and my children, like we couldn't see our friends. We couldn't hang out with anybody. We couldn't go to daycare. I couldn't go to work. Excuse me. It was really difficult to be by myself. So in those moments, I'm like, I only have myself. I need to find God. Um, and it started as reconnecting with Islam. 
Um, and I think that's what really kept me afloat in that time. But as I did more research and I'm reading my Quran um, and I'm talking to other people that connect with that religion, I realized that I don't have to connect with God through any specific religion. I don't have to connect with God through a mosque or a temple or a church, but that God is a I will say it's an entity. It's not a person. Sometimes I refer to God as a he. Sometimes I refer to God as a she. But what I'm learning is that no matter if I call it God, Jah, um, Allah, whatever, it's all really the same spirit and the same energy that everybody is referring to. And how I connect it with it personally is not necessarily how someone else would connect with it but it's how I needed to connect with it in order to ground myself to understand that God or the most high or the almighty, whatever you want to call it, is real. And I'm a part of that energy source. And that was hard for me to accept because of the environments that I've grown up in. It was very difficult for me to understand that me, it doesn't matter if I'm at my lowest or my highest. I am of God and God loves me whether I'm accomplishing things, whether I'm at rock bottom, whether, you know, I'm having a terrific day as a mother or whether I really want to just give up. And sometimes I really, really do want to give up. I think if it wasn't for the twins, <laughs> the twins really, really pushed me to, you know, pursue more. Also my grandmother, my grandmother passed away um, when she was my age, when she was 28 years old, she was murdered um, actually by my great grandfather. So when I think about her legacy and you know the generations that came after her, I feel a certain sense of not obligation, but just like, I wanna honor her legacy, that's all I can say. Whatever she didn't get to accomplish, I want to take the torch and carry it as far as I can carry it. Um, so with that understanding of my grandmother and of my children, of being a mother and of connecting to God, I understood that like I am loved. Whether I have a man, whether I have family, whether I have friends, I am loved at my core of who I am. And that's what really keeps me pushing. That's what really helps me to have the courage to come on camera, gives me the courage to go out there in the world and educate people about human trafficking or domestic violence or whatever I need to talk about. Um, I know that I come across as like outgoing and stuff, but I'm actually very shy and I say this all the time, but I like to push myself out of my comfort zone. I like to challenge myself because it's a constant reminder that like, no matter what anyone's judgment is of me, I'm still a child of God and God still loves me and thinks that I'm perfect as I am. And I love the saying like, we're fearfully and wonderfully made because that's really how I feel about myself. You know, there's some days that my mental health is like shaky and whatever and I, you know, there's times that I can't get out of bed, but um, the more that time goes on, I'm really understanding that God loves me as I am for who I am, no matter what I do or don't do. Um, so yeah. So that's my, <laughs> that's my connection with God. And I hope that if you're watching this, you can have or are building a relationship with God that is unique to you. Um, 
And this is something that I would love to explore further. So if any of you guys have questions about my journey or comments or want to share your story with me, I'd be so happy and grateful and honored to hear your testimony of God. Um, peace. Thank you.